Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. If we spend time alone with God, you can hear it. He wants to set us all on fire, and I'm standing up right now talking to you, and I got my arms in the air. The other ways that we, uh, we, we are to be with others, especially who are struggling, and to walk with them in ways that lead them into a deeper experience of their faith. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. You're listening to Fire Away with Carlos Bursabe, brought to you by Catholic Ammo, En Route Books and Media, and WCAT Radio, where we're locked, loaded, and ready for battle with today's hot topics. Howdy, howdy, everybody. This is your host, Carlos Bursabe. You're listening to Episode 5 of Fire Away, the second live recording. Woo! I'm still excited from the last time. Last week, we, started our bro- uh, we brought Kevin back and introduced the first of many talks on Catholic morality and nuclear weapons. Today's hot topic is a return to the previous ones regarding the new evangelization, but with a twist, because today we're going to talk about the Mass. Unlike previous episodes, I don't have a guest today, so you're going to have to help me. I'll need you, the listeners, to call in and be our guest, be our guest, and put our service to the test. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm not going to sing. But before we go any further, let's bow our heads in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So for those listening, this is a live broadcast. I say again, this is a live broadcast. Call-ins are welcome. If you have a comment or a question, or maybe you just want to say hi to me because you're, you're a friend of mine and you haven't heard my voice in a long time, you forgot my number, I don't know, call in. It'll be great. The number is 515-604-9344 using access code 914121. Again, 515-604-9344 using access code 914121. All right. So, in the famous words of the immortal bard, Larry the Cable Guy, let's get her done. So, story time. This week seemed to scream at me to do a show about the Mass. Let me tell you why. I was helping to teach RCIA recently. This was last Thursday. And the lesson for RCIA class that week was the Eucharist. And I don't know about you, but I've never really considered myself uh, a charismatic, but I can't deny that I couldn't sit still. I mean, I needed to, I felt the need to, you know, really engage in the conversation because the Eucharist, man, I tell you, the Eucharist, I don't know how a Catholic can be a Catholic without the Eucharist. I mean, I'm, you can't, you just can't. And so that fire kept going and going. And then later on in the week, my colleague at work told me that one of our coworkers was considering becoming Catholic. And then he said that he invited him to the Mass. And I'm just, to me, it was like, hallelujah. It was great. And then last but not least, this is a story that I shared with maybe one other person, maybe two. I encountered a humbling moment 
when I was writing another blog post. And this humbling moment was, I, man, I, was, I felt like I was on fire. I was explaining to somebody, uh, you know, things that I thought Jesus had said that I guess he really didn't say. So I don't know if you've ever heard the quote, it is better to light a single candle than to curse the darkness. I heard it in a homily, I'm sure, very recently, and it stuck in my head. And lo and behold, that is not something Jesus said. It's like one of those hashtag things Jesus never said. I'm not saying that it's not great. I mean, it's a great quote. And that quote um, actually had me thinking, what are the things that we as Catholics complain a lot about? And oddly enough, I would say that one of the things that I hear a lot is, oh, I didn't get anything out of the Mass, or, oh, the Mass is so boring, or, oh, uh, this just isn't for me, the Mass didn't speak to me. And I'm going like, huh, you know, I used to think that way too. But here, here's the difference between how I used to think that way a long time ago and how I think now. So today's topic is the Mass and the New Evangelization because, again, if we're going to evangelize, we're going to have to come to grips with an understanding of the Mass. And a lot of people, I don't think that, they, that they're looking at it from the right perspective. And here's what I mean. Whether the Mass is said in Latin or English or Spanish or Vietnamese or pick a language of the world, it's still going to be a foreign language. And here's why. The Mass is spoken in the language of love. And I'm not talking about the love that Pepe Le Pew talks about. I'm talking about the love that goes bone deep, soul deep, that says, this is my body. This is my blood. And that's a language that's hard to understand. Because a lot of people, they'll understand, especially here in the United States, they'll understand the American Idol language, which to me is laughable that we even have a show called American Idol and that, you know, we parade these people, other people in front of us and that we call them the American Idol. You know, talk about idolatry, right? But the mass, the mass because we have that attitude of let's focus on ourselves, the gimme, 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 we don't see and understand the language of love in the Mass. And if we can't understand that language, then we can't speak that language. And if we can't speak that language, then we can't pass that good news on to others, which is what evangelization is about. So let's go back and let's look at the Mass, but in a different way. All right, let's look at the Mass in a way where it's not just the Sunday obligation, this is what we do. Let's look at the Mass step by step in a how is God telling me that he loves me and how am I to respond? So we go to Mass, and, and by the way, for, again, for those listening, I'm not a priest, I get it, you know, I'm, not, I'm nobody special, but here's the, here's the thing where I think we can connect. Here's the thing where I think that you guys should be listening. I'm one of you. I'm a lay person. I go to Mass, and I'm sitting in the pews just like y'all. So the difference is maybe y'all ain't fired up like I'm fired up. And I got to get you guys fired up because, my goodness, and, and we'll cover it. I, I'm getting distracted. Uh, again, that's me getting fired up. So we go to Mass. And the very first thing that we do is uh, we enter into the church. For us here and right outside off at Air Force Base, St. Matthews, um, it's, it's a gym. Uh, and so we enter, uh, we bless ourselves with holy water, but we don't really think about what we just did, right? We just think, I put water on my forehead, I tickled my tummy, I swatted the fly and touched my shoulders, and if you're, you know, from a Hispanic uh, descent, maybe you touch your fingers to your lips. But most people don't even know 
what they just did. They just know that this is what you do. So let's think about that for a moment. When we're going to Mass, the very first thing that we do is we renew our baptism. We renew our last name. And here's what I mean by last name. When we get baptized, we're not just, for me, a Bursabe. We are Christian at that point. We are a child of God at that point. So we're renewing our baptism. And when we do that, we are reaffirming the I believe. And when we do that, we're beginning that cleansing process. I think the word that they used back in the day was uh, mikvah. They had a bunch of pools around it. So they, they did a lot of ritual cleansing way, way back in the day. And we carried that over uh, with the sacramental purpose of cleansing. So we do that. But do we realize that that is what we are doing? Oh, we have a caller. I think, uh, I, think I heard a noise. Do we have a caller? Hey, Carlos, it's Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing, bud? Good, how are you? Doing great, man. I just uh, was talking about what we do when we uh, first go into Mass and blessing ourselves with, the, with uh, holy water, re- re- renewing our baptismal vows, which means renewing what we believe and ultimately uh, connecting ourselves with the centuries-old practice of uh, that ritual cleansing, um, I was about to go into a little bit about the venial sin part, but hey, hi, in, we, we don't we don't have to talk about that. Um, what's on your mind, brother? Hey, I was just calling in. I, you know, my wife and I were both converts to the Catholic Church. Uh, we both right. come from a Protestant background, and you know, you're talking about, you know, what does the Mass mean? It means being in the presence of Jesus. That's what it means. I, my wife and I both, you know, where else can you go and sit and be with Jesus? And Amen. it's just something that's so powerful. It, you know, was never there before. And my wife and I have both just fallen completely in love with the Catholic Church. It's, you know, we've, we've finally come home. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, feel free to share a little bit more about it. I mean, this is this is what the this show's about. So, go ahead and uh, if you have time, anyways. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I've got time. Um, I don't know. We've well, we've been in the Catholic Church now for probably going on about a year and a half. We started our CIA last year. We're still right, actually, right now in the process of going through our CIA because you know, we have, we both had annulments that we had to get taken care of, and that's that's a lengthy process. <laughs> But we're going through it. We're going through it again this year, and you know, it was to stay on to stay on the topic of the mass. You know, we've been through the alteration series by Ascension Press, and you want to bring the power of the mass back in and not be bored. That is definitely a series that everybody should should go through because it is gonna it, it will explain the mass piece by piece by piece and just explain a lot of the, you know, what each part means, the procession, all the way through, you know, the final blessing and the dismissal. It's amazing what what that series has brought to the table. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, I tell you, one of the things, uh, and feel free to stay on, uh, you know, feel free to stay on for as long as, you want um, one of the things that that piece, that first piece of coming into the church and blessing yourself with holy water, that that is not a small feat. Uh, that is literally say, you know, it's like remembering the heavens being torn open again, kind of like at Jesus's baptism, and hearing God say, "You are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased." We get to share in that. And we're about to, just like you said, be in the presence of Christ, Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And, you know, we're, we're prepping ourselves for that. And then when the next thing that we do when we go in is the procession. For me, it kind of like brings back what we're going to see here in a couple of weeks with Palm Sunday, you know, the procession. 
we're about to start the heavenly liturgy. And it's not just, oh, did they pick a song that I don't like? Because that, that's another thing that sometimes people say is like, oh, I don't like that song. Or, Man, we're not going to a daggum concert. This isn't like Miley Cyrus or those other folks that, that people listen to. You're, you know, you're not buying a ticket to some show to be entertained. This is supposed to be our time to pour ourselves out so that we can be filled with Christ pouring himself in. And so, you know, the procession comes in. We're singing. This is the part where we're starting that active participation. And I'm sorry if you guys hear like a clapping. I don't mean to. This is like involuntary uh, holy spasms, I guess. I don't know. But, brother, that's one of the things that when we go in and then the procession happens, our Lord is becoming present to us. Let's prepare ourselves. And one of the very first things that we do in the preparation is we do the act of contrition. Not like the act of contrition in the sacrament of confession, but we, we do a mea culpa. Why? And, and this is sometimes, and I don't know how you feel about this as a new Catholic, and feel free to share, Jeremy, but when, have you gotten to go to confession before, by the way? Not yet. Uh, first confession will be sometime after Ash Wednesday. Brother, let me tell you, man. Do not, uh, using uh, uh, St. Paul, John II, slash, you know, Jesus Christ himself, be not afraid. And here's, here's what I mean. A lot of Catholics, we get really knocked on for being super guilt-ridden, like they say, oh, Catholic guilt and this, that, and the other. I'm just like, maybe, maybe we have a sense of sin. Maybe that's why. But here's the kicker to confession and on why a lot of Catholics tend not to go, because they're afraid. And, and I can understand that fear. I mean, yeah, we, we messed up. You, you, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. You done messed up now, eh, Ron? But the same Jesus that is present in the Eucharist is present in the sacrament of reconciliation. He's not there poking you in the chest, Jeremy. Like, when you get to go, he's not going to be there poking you in the chest, telling you, hey, you messed up. He's going to be there examining you like the divine doctor that he is and going, where does it hurt? And whether people realize that in the Mass, when we start off with the confetti or uh, with, the mea, with our mea culpa, with, uh, I'm losing the English words right now for... For, uh, for what we do, but essentially it's Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, or you know, at, you know, we're saying sorry. And we're saying sorry not just because we messed up, but we're saying sorry because we're hurt and we need healing. And a lot of people, they don't realize that that hurt piece is normal. That sin piece, while it's not good, it's not unexpected that's why Jesus gives us these things, you know, the forgiveness, that constant forgiveness in the sacraments is because, brother, we are in, a, we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And in any sort of warfare, you're going, there's, it's an occupational hazard that you're going to get hurt. It's tough. So that's one of the very first things that we do is we engage in that, Lord, I'm sorry that preparation for receiving him, uh, in, you know, this, in this case, it's venial sins, but we're admitting to ourselves, yeah, I got hurt. Yeah, I messed up. But Lord, the, only, the other thing that we're admitting is, Lord, you're here for us. So, but, you know, before we go on, I'm going to make sure that every 15 minutes or so, I'm going to give other people the number uh, and like, and as you see, Jeremy, he's free to free to stay. So call-ins are welcome. This is a live broadcast. If you have a comment or question, call 515-604-9344 using access code 914121. Again, 515-604-9344 with access code 914121. So, Jeremy, uh, how long have you been attending Mass now? 
Uh, well, you're probably probably close to two years. Two years. So even before mm-hmm. you started the, uh, how, and how did you end up going to mass? Well, we actually were looking. Um, our daughter's four at the time, so we started looking at where we wanted to send her to school, and we actually chose our our local parish here to send her to school at, and we're we were like, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it whole hog and just we'll all go to church. <laughs> so that's that's how we started, and it, you know, nice. it's, it's it's been a it's been a wonderful thing. You know, God called us and in strange ways, and that's how he called us back. Dude, that's awesome. So how did, what were you thinking when you attended Mass for the first time? Uh, I'll be honest. I had, I had had bad experiences in the past, um, which I won't go into, but I was apprehensive. Um, and our priest was new to, the, to our parish. He had come from another parish. And he opened, he welcomed with, op, with open arms, and it was a completely different experience that I had in the past. So, you know, I started changing my mind a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, to this day, the Father is probably a very close, what I would call a very close friend and a, and a confidant to me now. So I, I'm excited. Honestly. Oh man, God bless that priest of yours, brother. That's awesome. So like, you know, going back to what we were saying, right after the penitential rite, I finally remembered what the, what the English word was for it. Or, you know, right after the Kyrie eleison with the Lord have mercy, I believe that's Greek for Lord have mercy, we burst into the gloria, the glory yeah. to God in the highest. I mean, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Right after you unburden yourself with the guilt that you've been holding, the shame that you've been, you know, carrying, now we burst into the gloria, glory to God in the highest. It's like a, you know, we're saying something with joy. Whether we're singing it, whether we're saying it, it should be said with joy. But a lot of people, I don't know, man, I don't know that a lot of people pay attention to that part of that movement where we're saying, I'm sorry, to now we're forgiven, and then we express we return that sentiment with joy and praise. We return that sentiment with joy and praise. And then right after the Gloria, we get into the next thing. Because we're, we should be on that spiritual high, this is where, for me, I put my feet on that road to Emmaus. Are you familiar with the Emmaus story, Jeremy? Say that again. Uh, are you familiar with the Emmaus story? Yes, I believe so. So the road to Emmaus, I'm going to sum it up uh, because I'm not, you know, if I read it, um, uh, other people might might uh, not get it as much. So I'm going to sum it up. It's in You can find it in Luke chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. Uh, uh, I don't remember the verse, but Luke chapter 24, I definitely remember that. You have these two disciples, um, walking on the road to Emmaus. Don't, I'm not great on geography, so I don't know where Emmaus is, but they're walking away from Jerusalem, and they're kind of down, downcast because it was right after the crucifixion. And uh, you know, suddenly there's a guy walking with them, and um, they're, they don't know that it's Jesus. I don't know what prevented them from seeing, whether or not, but they, they just couldn't tell it was Jesus. And as they're walking, they're asking them, hey, have you heard what happened? And the guy's, and, you know, Jesus playing coy, I guess, but, and gives them an opportunity to, to open up Scripture to them. So they're walking along. He's opening up Scripture to them, uh, kind of show, trying to give them hints that, hey, this is me, but doing it kind of what we do with typology, with, uh, you know, salvation history, going, hey, this is the fulfillment, you shouldn't be sad, especially if you believe. And finally, it gets dark. And back in those days, you know, headlights, not really a a thing, walking on foot. And so they stop. And the guys, maybe they were were enthralled with what Jesus was saying, or maybe they were just being hospitable. They invite him to stay with them. 
So he stays. And do you remember that piece where they, um, uh, at, at what point they finally recognize it's Jesus? Do you remember that part, Jeremy? Uh, and it's okay if you don't. Yeah, not off the top of my head. That's all right, brother. They recognize him in the breaking of the bread. So during all this time, while Jesus was breaking open Scripture to these guys, they, they, they said that their hearts were burning within them. But it wasn't until they broke bread with Jesus that they recognized him. Then they disappeared, and then at that point they had to go tell everybody. So when we go in from you know, uh, you know, the prayers in connection with, this, with sacred scripture, we're, we're putting our roads on that Emmaus journey. You know, the liturgy of the word, we're, we're going into it and we're saying we're having scripture broken open to us and for us. Now, this is where a lot of people, they seem to place so much emphasis that they forget that there's other parts of the mass. Yes, we are there to hear the word, but because we're not Protestant, it's not just the reason, it's not our only reason for going to Mass. Because as Catholics, we have to always have in the forefront of our minds that the Word became flesh. So just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, our hearts should be burning within us during the liturgy of the Word. We should be getting excited. We should be like going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I know what's going to happen next. Because, you know, it's not like we were those disciples and, you know, we, we didn't know. We know. We know what's going to happen next. And in exuberance, we get to say the I believe. And a lot of people, they go because they memorize things. They just go through the motion. But, brother, ha has anyone ever told you, you know, what it means to believe? Truly believe? I, you know, I don't know that's ever been a conversation. So I'm going to share a story with you that helped me. Um, and it, and I, I don't know if it was Stephen K. Ray, I don't know if it was or Stephen Ray or Dr. Hahn or one of the other Catholic uh, apologists or evangelists, or heck, it may have even been Protestant. I don't know. But this helped me to really cage what it means to believe. And it was a story about some daredevil way, way back in the day. He was riding a uh, unicycle, doing all kinds of stunts, but in this case, he was over by Niagara Falls, and he was going to walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Now, I remember being at Niagara Falls when I was a little kid, and brother, let me tell you, I, I don't think you'd ever see me on, that, on, on, that, on a tightrope, not even for all the money in the world. Mm -hmm. But this guy, he's doing this because he's a daredevil, and there's some people who are... Uh, you know, call, uh, some people who like to do that kind of stuff. And he's getting people to watch him. And he has a crowd in front of him, and he goes, looks into the crowd and says, who believes I can walk across this tightrope across the Niagara Falls? And people are cheering because they want to see it. They want to see it. They're like, I believe, I believe, saying it with such, such enthusiasm. And so he does it. And they're cheering even louder. Then he yells to the crowd once he gets back to the other side. He tells them, if you come back next week, tell people. I'm going to do an even greater stunt. Tell people. And so the next week happens, and this crowd has doubled, right? This, the crowd that he had previous doubled. And he looks into the crowd, and he says, who believes that I can walk across this tight rope across the Niagara Falls backwards and blindfolded and the crowd they're like oh my gosh he walked it was amazing enough seeing this guy walk across the niagara falls normal now he's going to do it blindfolded and backwards i believe i believe they're they're chanting i believe i believe it's a large crowd and so he does it and the crowd goes absolutely nuts and then he yells back to the crowd again if you come back next week I'm going to have the greatest stunt that you will ever witness. Make sure you tell everybody around. And so next week happens, and the crowd tripled from even the double. So it's like six times as many the first time, 
or whatever the math breaks out to. And he yells to the crowd, who believes that I can walk across this tightrope, across the Niagara Falls, backwards, blindfolded, and carrying someone on my back? And the crowd was like, I have never seen anything like that. Let's see what this guy can do. I believe, I believe, I believe. And he's chanting, we have another caller, awesome. He's chanting, I believe, I believe. And then he looks into the crowd and he says, I need a volunteer. So caller, before I go on, go ahead and introduce yourself. This is Michael Horn. Is this Carlos? Hey, how you doing, Michael? This is Carlos. Hey. How are you? Good, good. Doing well, doing well. Just figured I'd call in. I'm sorry to interrupt if I'm interrupting the flow. Oh, no, not at all. Here, this is actually, uh, you, you made it right on time for the uh, moral of the story type of deal for I Believe, since we're talking about the, the, the part in the Mass where we do the, the credo, the, the Nicene Creed. And so sure. this, this crowd just was asked by the you know, by the guy that they said that they believed in to participate in this risky act. Mm -hmm. But when we say, I believe, it's the same thing. We're saying, mm -hmm. Lord, I believe with all my heart, meaning that I will, you know, I, I, will, I trust you to carry me on your back across the Niagara Falls, which sounds mm -hmm. crazy, but... When we say I believe, it means I would stake my life on it. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. So did That's you ever hear that story, by the way, Jeremy? No, I haven't heard that story before. But, you know, just something to think about when you, when, especially the next time you go in Nicene Creed, um, think about that and, and really internalize that, you know, putting your full faith and trust in God and, and uh, whatever risks that are involved in that. So... Michael, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, brother? Sure. This is Michael Horn. I'm the uh, evangelization coordinator in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and I'm currently in uh, the MA program for theology at Holy Apostles College and Seminary. I just talked to Carlos earlier today on the phone, and we're just kind of getting acclimated in some social media collaboration that we have coming up. But I'm a lover of theology. I love traveling, and I love just talking about general philosophical and theological topics, especially our Catholic faith. And so just figured I'd check in and see how the conversation's going and see if there's anything that uh, anything that I can help out with. I'd love to, to chat with you guys, so thanks for letting me be a part of this. Awesome, brother. Well, yeah. uh, today's topic is the Mass. Uh, Jeremy shared a little bit about his uh, ongoing conversion story. Uh, one of the things that you guys may or may not know about Jeremy, uh, he's an avid outdoorsman, as am I, and I'll probably have him uh, on the show as a guest talking about his love for the outdoors, and his growing love for our Lord and his church. So uh, do you guys have any thoughts uh, uh, thoughts on the Mass and the new evangelization at this time you guys would like to, to chime in on? Or maybe questions? I don't know. Jeremy, you, you want to go ahead go first? No, no you go ahead. I, no. I actually was going to tell Carlos I'm going to pop back in here. I'm getting the wave that dinner's ready so <laughs> oh okay nope <laughs> no problem at all okay i was just going to say that kind of what i said in, in my interview with uh, dr Rhonda shervin a couple of days ago that aired um was just basically on the kind of the the meaning of the eucharist and how important it is to me in my own life because i think obviously our personal prayer is very important but just the gift that the eucharist is and the importance of reading john 6 and so i think that that passage, Jesus just makes it so clear and so vivid to us how greatly fortified we are spiritually and just in our general lives as Christians through the Eucharist. And so I, I mentioned kind of briefly in, in the interview that I gave recently just how kind of I'm, I'm certainly in a period of aridity spiritually, very dry in my a desert time of prayer, and I'm not really receiving much from the Lord as far as insights or clear revelations. It's more just kind of gutting it out and just being faithful to the prayer and trusting that he's leading me somewhere through the, the struggle and the desert time. But I mentioned that I can still go to the Eucharist every day because 
like you just said, Carlos, about that faith, that deep faith, I do believe that Jesus is present there. And so even if I don't encounter him in my personal meditation or contemplation each day, into that, in that physical, concrete presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, I know that that's giving me grace, and I know that my desire to get out of this tough time so that I can serve the Lord better, I know that that's bearing fruit, even if I can't perceive it immediately. And so just the great sacrament of charity. And so I need, all of us need to, as Christians, receive the graces, the sanctifying grace that comes from that sacrament so that we can be people of charity. So Aquinas talked about this great sacrament of charity that we can receive in the Eucharist every single day and how blessed we are as Catholics in a country where even though the church is facing persecution in various ways, that we have the ability to go to a Catholic church every single day and to receive our Lord in his, in his real presence in the Eucharist as the bread and wine become the bo- his, his own body and blood to strengthen us for the journey. And so that's what I have just, just in my own struggles of my spiritual life that I still have that concrete, tangible, sacramental presence of Jesus Christ in my life that gives me the strength and boosts my charity and helps me to be a person that can evangelize, that can proclaim the gospel, that can be a person who engages in the works of mercy for other people in our archdiocese. Brother, amen, well said, and you came at a good part because now we're going to talk about the offertory prayers, and I'd like to offer up a quick prayer. Uh, St. Mother Teresa, please uh, pray for Michael and you know, bring him closer to your bosom and how you encountered that desert period, that aridity in your life, and uh, you know, intercede for him that uh, that desert period is a uh, you know ends with such growth that uh, Michael comes closer to you, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now that offertory period is actually a really cool part, and I don't know, I don't know if you uh, like I, I I don't know if you noticed this before, but one of my favorite parts in the offertory prayers, um, and I get to see this in in in, in my kids because the priest comes down off of the altar and puts the basket down. He, he allows the kids to come and uh, put the envelopes or, or the, um, the tithes in, in the basket. And it mm-hmm. really reminds, especially later on when he says, my sacrifice and yours. Mm-hmm. My yeah. sacrifice and yours. That is such mm-hmm. a powerful little segment of the Mass because a lot of people, I don't think they realize that they are offering up more than money. You know, they're, we're saying, Lord, take me, all of me. You know, the dirty parts mm-hmm. that I just tried to clean, all of me. I'm not going to hold anything back. All of mm-hmm. me. Right. That is, I don't know how, I don't know if many people pay attention to that part. But mm-hmm. yeah. it's not no, just I think the it's priest gold. doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we enter into the next part, right? We enter into, um, or we're, like, we're fully immersed now in the, the liturgy of the Eucharist. No longer is it the liturgy of the Word, now it's the liturgy of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And this part is huge too. You know, this is the climax, the apex of the Mass where we're, you know, being lifted into heaven and heaven's coming down to earth and we're having that, you know, holy cataclysm of awesome goodness where we're singing the, the thrice holy, we're, you know, we're getting to hear the consecration. And I, I can honestly tell you when I was a kid, and uh, it was kind of, for me, this was that point where I was counting time. Mm-hmm. When I know that I got to the liturgy of the word as a kid, or a liturgy of the Eucharist as a kid, not that I knew those terms. I knew the Mass was almost over. And I was just like, oh, thank goodness. We can go to Burger King. I can go play on the playground. Uh, and even, in, even into high school, because, you know, I, my mother was a good mother and had me go to Mass with her. Mm-hmm. I was still thinking, uh, oh, my goodness, why is this going on so long? But mm-hmm. now it's a now it's a different sense. Now it's a I wish this could go on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because 
just like you said, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Mm-hmm. No, no other church on earth other than the Catholic Church can make that claim. Yes. Mm-hmm. Truly. You know, for... I... Go ahead, Carlos. I'm sorry. No, I was going to ask you... What, I was actually going to ask you what your, what your thoughts were. Okay, I was just going to say, this reminds me of a short little anecdote that I heard from this awesome priest, and I don't know how well-known he is now, but I'm sure his story is going to be his father McManus, and I think he worked in an area of intelligence in some part of like the uh, Middle Eastern part of the world, and so there was a lot of um, Muslims that were involved in the different work that he did, and so he was talking as a Catholic one time, and he was saying saying how this Muslim was questioning. He said, so you believe that in that gold box, which obviously is referring to the tabernacle, that in that gold box, that that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in that box. And Father McManus said, yes, that, that's what I believe. And, and the Muslim said, and he hit the nail on the head. He said, if I believed that, I would never leave that place. And I just think that's such Woo! a beautiful, beautiful reflection because... It's just how we should think of this, like why we should ever be so quick to leave Mass. Why would we ever want to leave the place where Jesus Christ dwells in a unique, substantial form and on, on earth here? This, so this side, this side of heaven, is, it's the only way we can have him in that particular form of his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Obviously, we, we know that God's everywhere and he can be found in different, different places, with his presence and power, and, and, he's, and he's in all things and is, is certainly present everywhere. But just in that unique form, why would we ever leave that place? When we have adoration chapels and we have Catholic churches where we can go and pray in silence with Jesus Christ incarnate, why would we ever leave that place? And I just think it's a great point of reflection for us as Catholics. That is awesome. I just came back from the yeah. Middle East, and it was, yeah. it was very touchy to ever talk with... Uh, our uh, our host country uh, folks about religion because um, mm-hmm. of that, but that is awesome. Why? Yeah. Why would we ever want to leave that place? I mean, that right. deserves like a two claps and a Ric Flair. Like, whoa! I mean, that. Yeah. yeah. But and mm-hmm. here we are, where you know, like I was saying, that a lot of folks at this point are just marking time. A lot sure. of yeah, and just like you said, they're in a hurry to get out of there to the point where. Mm-hmm. You know, right after communion, you'll start hearing uh, engines running in the parking lot, like it's the right. you know Daytona 500 or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, where could you go that is more important than mm-hmm. being with the Lord? And right. You know, on on the topic of the Eucharist, one of the things that we were talking about in the RCA class recently that I was helping teach, um, you know, Deacon Tom had mentioned. Uh, you know, talking about the armor of God. And when we talk about uh, our journey, when we talk about being the church militant and the pilgrim church, it's an occupational hazard, as I said earlier, when when we get hurt, when we sin. Well, mm-hmm. if Jesus Christ could spit on the ground and use his spit to make some mud and, mm-hmm. you know, give a man back his eyeball, how much more mm-hmm. if he says, take all of me, body, blood, soul, and divinity, how much more can he restore us mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, you know, to reconcile us with himself? And right. this is, you know, from, from, from the liturgy of the Eucharist onward, it, we should be, like for me, that, that's actually, here, here's, here's a question for, for you. And I, and I'm honestly uh, curious why don't more people kneel to receive the Eucharist? <laughs> we were talking about this three days ago, Carlos. I love how you bring this up. This is such the Holy Spirit. But I, I personally receive, and so I, I receive on the tongue standing normally because that's how it's been, become customary in the area. And so my friend and I were talking about this. There is no good reason not to kneel there's no, it would certainly be fitting to kneel and to receive the Eucharist. The thing that, um, and this is kind of a thing that I would welcome disagreement from other people because I don't, I don't think this is 
100% correct in any way, but I just would want to avoid drawing attention to myself at the expense of our Lord. But I, that's the only reason I could give. I mean, I, I just think it's so fitting that we should kneel. And that's how it was for centuries, that we would kneel before uh, the sanctuary and receive uh, our Lord on the tongue. And how beautiful that is, of the, the position of a humble servant, of one who is bowing down in adoration before Jesus, before God, um, and in that humble state, because it just doesn't get, and there's, there's no more, uh, there's no greater posture of surrender than kneeling. And I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. And the only reason, like, I refrain from it, like I said, is because I don't want to make that part about me in some way if someone could distort that action. And so I welcome your thoughts because I'm torn about it because I think it's the right thing to do. But, again, I would never try to distract from the focal point of the Mass. Yeah, I'm with you, brother, except I can't help it. Like, when I go to sure. Mass, I have to kneel. Like, to me, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm trying to distract. So, for me, the intent, yeah. uh, my, because I have that intent of, no, this isn't distracting. This is, you know, giving all worship to God mm-hmm. that I do right. it. I do it, sure. but it boggles my mind that, you know, people would give other source of reverence to anybody else here on earth, you know, mm-hmm. but when it comes to giving worship to God, it's like a gimme. Like, I mean, that's to me the posture of, of putting your hand out, whether, like some people don't, don't even do it reverently. It's uh-huh. just like, you know, like, here, give it to me. What? Uh-huh. Whereas right. if you're kneeling, you're saying, you're acknowledging my Lord, my God, my mm-hmm. King. You're, mm-hmm. It's just like you said, it's that posture of, of surrender, of, you know, like the correct posture of worship. If we can kneel during other parts of the Mass, why, if we can kneel right after receiving communion. Yeah. Right. Then right. why can't we kneel when receiving <laughs> communion? Yeah. Yep. And, and, man, I'm like, we should be electrified when we do it. Like, I, I don't know, in my head I'm imagining that I'm some sort of knight of the round table you know, getting blessed by the king whenever I'm about to receive communion. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, that's that piece where uh, we're being readied. You know, going back mm-hmm. to the rearming, uh, rearming ourselves, a lot of people, they don't like uh, to hear the, the term church militant. They, you know, I don't know, maybe my personal view is I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't subscribe to the church of nice mentality. I'm not saying don't be nice. I don't, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. But right. we can't water down the truth. It's kind of like what Bishop uh, Barron said. You can't have a beige Catholicism. You can't have yeah. this wishy-washy, lukewarm, let's just be nice to each other because that's what Jesus would have wanted. No, man, sometimes you've got to flip a couple of tables. Sometimes you've got to bring up that yeah. whip of cords. Sometimes right. you've got to stand for the truth. And sometimes, and every single time, you've got to pick up your cross. And every single time, you've got to take that step. And at the very last end of our dying breath, we should hope to be crucified with Christ. We should hope mm-hmm. to be on the, on the hill of Calvary. We should hope to, to say, Lord, I made it to the very last. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, and so with that, this is that part that I think, going back to your, your uh, you know, hurry to get out of there, this is the, the last part that I think people miss. And mm-hmm. I use that word miss um, on purpose. Iter misa est. Go, it is the dismissal. You are sent. It is not, all right, I'll see you guys later. Uh, this portion of worship is over. Have a nice day. That, that's not what the priest or deacon is saying. Right. It is like the go Christian soldiers. Make disciples uh-huh. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's saying, go, you are sent on a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we, I don't know that we get that. Right. Uh, yeah, I read, a, I read an awesome article about two, yeah, like two or three years ago. I think it was from Crux magazine maybe, and it just gave like five great reasons why you should stay till the end of Mass, like, and why you shouldn't leave right after communion. And 
to first off, like you said, to actually receive the commission and also to understand that like you don't get blessed if you leave after communion. Like you don't you miss the final blessing. Um, especially if a bishop is, is celebrating the mass because he'll bless you as he walks down um, walks down the aisle as he as he exits. But there's just so there's there's the closing prayer, there's the sending like like I said, and there's that blessing. And it's just and why wouldn't you want to meditate again? Like you mentioned, how it's strange that we kneel after we receive the Lord, and so we think and we meditate and we reflect and pray on the graces that are coming to us through that through that sacrament. But we don't kneel when we actually receive it. It just as a fantastic question because it's there's there's no answer that's sufficient for that question. It it it, it beckons us to kneel to receive our Lord. And but I, yeah, I just I just don't understand. We put ourselves on that timeline, like you said, where it's like if it's an hour, that's all right, that's enough. And I don't know when we got into that mentality, but it needs to stop. There needs to be a cultural shift with that because it's Sunday worship. It's worship, and there's no limit on worship. It's it like Joseph Pieper talks about in leisure. It's it's when we are in worship and that time of union with God, time ceases. There should not be any sense of time that we have because we're in a different realm at that time. We are like you said, heaven and earth are meeting, and there we should forget about our sense of time because there should be no limit to how we worship God. We shouldn't be on a time clock to get out of Mass at a certain time. I just don't know where, when that began. Um, I don't know if it was after the Second Vatican Council or what when we got on that timeline of things, but I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, and, and this is that part, you know, you know, trying to bring it full circle because uh, we have about 10 minutes left. This is that part where I can't, for the world of me, now. Now, again, I'm not trying to sit in my ivory tower. This is more of me just wondering how we can better evangelize, um, especially in the new evangelization where it's an internal evangelization, like set fire to those people to, so that they can set fire to others, uh, mm-hmm. our brothers and sister Catholics. But how and why do we say, I, ne- I didn't get anything out of Mass? Even if the homily was bad, even if the music was bad, you know, even if, like, even, like, say, for example, you don't have all the, like, if, if I was a rad trad, if I didn't have all the bells and whistles and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, smoke and everything like that, even if, how can we say, especially if we receive the Eucharist, how can we say, yeah, I didn't receive, I didn't get anything out of Mass, unless right. we didn't understand why we were there. Mm-hmm. unless we didn't understand the language of love that was spoken to us by our Lord Jesus Christ during the entirety of the Mass. Right. And That's the only answer yeah. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> like you said. But we've got to uh, get better about that. We got, like, right. You know, for the, we, for the people who do understand, you know, help them see the beauty. Maybe they, maybe they won't understand the good and the truth immediately, um, but, you know, I don't know if that's Socrates or Plato, the, you know, the beautiful, the good, and the true or whatever. But mm-hmm. may, if you can show them, hey, this is beautiful, then mm-hmm. they'll go, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. It's kind of like uh, that one uh, contemporary Christian song by Mercy Me. Well, I mean, it's not super recent, but I Can Only Imagine, I think. Or I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I Can Only Imagine. Like, yep. help, be like, hey, listen to this song. Let me tell you, you don't really have to imagine all that much because yeah. heaven's going to be a little bit like this, except even, <laughs> even better. You can, mm-hmm. you, know, you can use your imagination, uh, but man, let me tell you, here's a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Like this, that's right. beautiful. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. And I think the other thing um, that's holding us back is and I know that it held me back for quite some time is we think we know everything or sure. we, or we, uh, especially going through CCD, all those coloring books that we colored, man, I was, of course I knew everything. Coloring books help, help me learn, I guess. I don't know. I, I know I'm being snarky, being sarcastic, but that's just my personality. Mm. Uh, sure. The Lord will, I'm sure, soften me up some over time. But <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is when we talk about our faith, 
Uh, not only do we have to talk about it with conviction, but we have to talk about it with with knowing and understanding, because that's where true mm-hmm. conviction is going to come from. And uh, right. I'm going to start. I'm going to wrap it up with uh, with this last story. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard this one, but this story is about uh, is about learning. So I like I mentioned earlier, and like you mentioned, the the desert, right? So uh-huh. uh, I just came back from a year long tour in the Middle East. And one of the things that it reminded me of was a previous tour that I'd done in the Middle East. And there was a story uh, about a man traveling from point A to point B, way, way, way back in the day. And, and like, if you've ever been to the desert, or any desert, it's just barren. Hmm. Uh, especially in the Middle East, just a whole lot of sand. And he's, as he's traveling, he's traveling alone, a giant booming voice out of the sky tells him to stop. I mean, like, if, if you were way back in the day and a giant booming voice told you to stop, you'd probably stop. And so that's what this guy did. He stopped. And the giant booming voice said, I will give you a gift that will make you both sorrowful and joyful. And the guy didn't really know what to say other than, Wow, a giant booming voice wants to give me gifts. So he's like, what is it? I'm going to give you the gift of rocks. And the guy's like, what? Rocks? <laughs> like, that's, that, that's it? That was so anticlimactic. But the mm-hmm. booming voice never really responded after that. It just, but he starts, no, and, he, and he goes on his journey now, and he starts noticing rocks. I mean, like, it was put in his head, rocks, okay. He's going to give me the gift of rocks. So every now and then, he starts picking up rocks and puts it in a satchel. Sometimes big rocks, sometimes small rocks, shiny, uh, whatever, rocks. doesn't pick up everything, but he starts picking up rocks. And he carries these rocks with him through this very long journey. And then he finally gets to his destination, and he opens his bag of rocks, and lo and behold... They weren't rocks. These rocks had turned into diamonds. Have you ever heard of this story before? I have not. So these rocks turned into diamonds. And what was, what was the promise that was given to this guy journeying? That you will be both joyful and sorrowful, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So he's looking at these rocks, and obviously he's uh, these diamonds now, and he's obviously joyful. But why was he sorrowful, you think? Carlos? Yeah. Why was he sorrowful, do you think? Oh, why was he sorrowful as he saw the diamonds? Yeah, because the promise was uh, you're going to be both joyful and sorrowful. Why do you think he was sorrowful? Right. Um, maybe because he knew that he couldn't always have them, or maybe because he, they took forever to be that way. Um, that he, I don't know how long he said it would take before they became diamonds, so I don't know how long he was walking, but maybe he was upset because they didn't, become diamond sooner or maybe because he d- didn't think that they would uh like he, he would ever be able to do anything with them because they're, they're beautiful but what would he do with them because he didn't have anyone to give them to so in, in this case one of the things that he probably thought about was he didn't pick up every rock that he saw so like oh sure he, sure so he could have had more diamonds and in this in yeah. this case uh diamonds is reflective of learning meaning that there are mm-hmm. some things that we will think that are completely useless to us, so we won't bother to pick it up. We won't bother to learn it. We won't, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, but through life, through life's pressures and, and whatnot, through your time in the desert, those pressures are going to turn these small, seemingly insignificant things into very precious things that will help you later on in life. And in the Mass, that's one of the things that we have to learn to pick up. Yes, it may be an hour in our, of our time uh, you know, on Sunday, or maybe we get to go to daily Mass and it's like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But we have to be deliberate about our love. We have to be deliberate about what, how we pick up uh, these life lessons. We have to be deliberate about how we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ so that we can go out and make disciples of all nations so that we can share um, 
you know, that our labor of love with others. So mm-hmm. with that, uh, normally I would play my outro music, uh, but this is that uh, time of uh, time in the show where we have to start saying goodbye. So thank you, uh, Jeremy, and thank you, Michael, for calling into our show. Uh, I know that uh, you're going to join us again. On this episode of Episode 5 of Fire Away, we covered uh, my take, our take of the Mass and how it fits into the new evangelization. But before we finish, let's bow our heads in closing prayer. Soul of Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malicious enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come unto thee, that I may praise thee with thy saints and with thy angels forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more thought-provoking, soul-enriching content, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Catholic Ammo. Again, that's at Catholic Ammo. And be sure to check out more Fire Away at wcatradio.com forward slash fire away. This is your host, Carlos Percebe. Until next Friday, where we'll pick up another topic of the new evangelization, keep mission-focused, and stay locked, loaded, and ready. Failure is not an option. Bye, bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It's a cake of fairy Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafood. Good day.